Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. When Eloise Walsh was in a car accident in 2015, she was told by emergency services that her list of horrendous injuries could have been avoided. I remember the fireman saying, God, if you were just a bit taller, this wouldn't have happened because I was sitting so close to the steering wheel. They put me in the ambulance, got to the hospital. The doctor just said, geez, if, you, if you'd weighed, you know, 10 more kilos, if you were just a bit taller, none of this would have happened. The reason her injuries were so bad was because she's a woman and the seatbelt is designed with the average male as the test height and weight. Today, we're talking about the way a lot of our world has been designed by men, for men, leaving women vulnerable and exposed. A few years ago, Eloise was involved in a car accident. I had a seizure, so it was 45 degrees outside. And obviously I was dehydrated and it was some sort of heat stroke, but my body basically just shut down and I was unconscious. Um, And I hit the light pole at 70 k's an hour. And then the next thing I know, there was glass hitting me in the face because someone was kicking the window of the car in because they were trying to get me out. She would end up with horrific injuries. I had knocked out my teeth and split my lip. I had broken my nose. I had, I think it was upwards of eight broken ribs. I had severe whiplash and bruising to all of my upper body. I had dislocated my hips and then I had broken my first, second and third metatarsal in my foot and had severe crush injuries to the rest of my left foot. Injuries that, according to the emergency crew and medical staff involved in her rescue and rehabilitation, would have been much less severe had she been a little taller or weighed a little more. You see, Eloise's injuries might not have been so devastating had seatbelts not been designed to be worn by men. Back in the 1960s, the crash test dummies used in testing vehicle collisions were based on the average man. In fact, it wasn't until just a few years ago that female crash test dummies even started to be used. A 2011 study conducted by the University of Virginia's Centre for Applied Biomechanics found that because of this practice, women wearing a seatbelt who were involved in a crash were 47% more likely to be seriously injured than a man involved in the same collision. This number jumps to 71% for moderate injuries. Engineer Kat Ely has written about the effect of a world designed by men and says that these flaws where women are concerned are because most of the teams who make these products are men. Um, I think frequently the process of designing is going through a lot of different iterations. And if there's only men in the room, they just tend to design for the people that are around them, which is a very natural thing to do. But if there's only men in the room, then they design something that feels comfortable to 
all of them that fits ergonomically, that fits size-wise, that fits weight-wise. And then if women, you know, tend to be smaller frame, have smaller hands, it might not fit them. So what are some of the obvious areas where women are at a design disadvantage? I think especially things that relate to ergonomics. You know, I've talked a lot about power tools being one. When you're designing power tools, you think about, oh, the the demographic I'm designing for is predominantly men, whereas it's based on historical facts that men do those jobs. And so then you design tools that are much heavier, much bulkier, and can actually, frankly, be harder for women to use if, for example, they have smaller hands and they can't fit their hands ergonomically around the tool. What about something like medicine? Yeah, medicine is certainly an area where women have been at a design disadvantage. Typically, men have been considered representative of the species. So a lot of clinical trials have only focused on men for testing a specific drug, not taking into account that men and women react to drugs very differently. And so there was a study that was done in 2005, the decade before that, saw 8 out of 10 prescription drugs withdrawn from the U.S. market because they caused statistically greater health risks for women. What about temperatures? We hear all the time that women are always freezing in the office, but it's not a figment of their imagination, is it? No, it's not. The algorithms that design how our temperatures are controlled in the office were designed in the 1960s. Back in the 1960s, it was predominantly men that worked and women weren't in the office as much. So it made sense back then. The algorithms haven't changed since the 1960s. So do we think there can only be benefits of involving more women in the design process? Definitely. There's a a large theory about designing for inclusivity. The idea is if you design for the extremes, then it's good for all people. So for example, if you design for something ergonomically that fits the 5th percentile and the 95th percentile in terms of height and weight, hand size, then it's going to be comfortable for everyone in between. So do they Um, just not do that because it's too expensive to have that broader range of design? Is that why they've kind of avoided changing that? I think in part that's why, but I think also it has to do with just who's in the room while you're doing the designing. User research, a lot of companies do do very formal user research, but a lot of micro decisions get made in between the big formalized user research, and those get made based on the people sitting in the room, and they say, feel this thing. How does this latch feel? Does this feel comfortable for you? And if everyone is sitting around, it is male and has large hands, they might say, yeah, that feels comfortable or that feels easy to do. And then if you get a very different person in the room, then it might not be comfortable for them. Well, hopefully the 3D printers that you're currently engineering, Kat, are just as friendly to a man as they are to a woman. I'm certainly working on it. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely the goal. So what's the big deal if your workplace is too cold for women? Well, a recent study has found it decreases a workplace's productivity. There's also a suggestion that while the workplace has been steadily becoming a safer place for men, it's become more dangerous for women. For example, male police officers are safer with the invention of stab-proof vests, but they're made to fit male officers, leaving the female officers vulnerable to a knife attack. Even if the size is smaller, the design is made for people with smaller hips and, of course, no boobs. A lot of workplace safety gear is the same. 
Or how about the fact that women absorb and respond to chemicals differently to men, which, when exposed in the workplace, could be the cause of health issues down the track? Think about the women who are every day exposed to fumes from substances used in nail salons, for example. Women, as a general rule, have a higher percentage of fat than men, where chemicals like to accumulate over time. Chemicals that have been linked to cancer, miscarriages, even lung disease. Even smartphones are designed to fit more comfortably in a man's hand. And if you're thinking, well, you can just use voice recognition, well, that too's been found to recognise a man's voice with 70% more accuracy than a woman's. When Siri was launched for iPhone in the US, it was found that it could easily look up prostitutes and Viagra suppliers, but responded with, I don't know what you mean by I was raped when asked about sexual assault. The male bias when it comes to designing the world around you can be more than just the inconvenience of not being able to reach a high shelf. It could be deadly. That's all for The Quickie today. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie. And want something else to listen to? Why not check out our parenting podcast, The Baby Bubble? If you've had a baby or you're interested in one day having a baby, then this is the show for you. The Baby Bubble is a podcast for parents trying to behave like total competent human beings on two hours of sleep, or for those who don't have kids but are curious about what you do with tiny people who just poo and cry all day. Uh, You can search for The Baby Bubble in your favourite podcast app now or just follow the link in our show notes.